All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back uh, to the podcast and to another special edition episode uh, where Kelly and I talk through uh, some of the things that make Mission Hills Mission Hills, at least in its current form in 2023, and how Mission Hills is always evolving. And that's so much of what we enjoy about this community and being a part of Mission Hills that is open to uh, to talk about what it means to uh, to be a, uh, a Christian in our current environment and what we, you know, what we even think about, you know, claiming that identity. Uh, we just went through Brian McLaren's do I stay Christian? And it brought up a really, a lot of really good, uh, things to talk about even in the language that we use. And if you've been at mission Hills for any length of time, you know, that we're always sort of filtering through and changing how we sort of uh, come to know the language and the the words that we use to describe uh, our community. And so one thing that we've kind of settled on over the last couple of years is uh, when people say, okay, what is Mission Hills? Like what what is the sort of core function that we see uh, as a part of like what we hope to do as a community? And we've kind of settled on this, this phrase of creating spaces of belonging, healing, and wholeness. So maybe this is a good place to start. Last year we did deconstructing our values where we, we went through the uh, value section on our about page. And, um, if you want to search you can search on our website or search, uh, on your favorite podcast app, deconstructing our values. And so this, uh, in this conversation, I think we want to talk through, uh, what are the things that come up all the time at Mission Hills, some of the questions that come up around language and the things that we say and that we tend to say all the time in the life of our community. So let's just start out with belonging, healing, and wholeness. Kelly, uh, I'm curious to like what you feel about this sort of phrase, this mission statement, this motto. I don't know what you want to call it, but something that we feel like is core to what we hope Mission Hills does in the life of the community. What I love about that statement is that all of those things are like constantly in progress. The aspect of finding your sense of belonging, the process of healing, the process of figuring out your own wholeness and, and how you integrate those values into your own life is something that you're constantly having to kind of work out and we're also trying to do that simultaneously as a community. Um, I know sometimes you know, with mantras or, or mottos like this, mm. it can feel a little like a buzzword type thing. You know, yeah. that's something that we really yeah. try to avoid. Um, right. And we do that by having a conversation about kind of what each of these means to us. And because we get to do things conversational style week to week, mm. I think it's been part of our conversation, you know, over the last few years, especially. Yeah. Um, like wholeness, I think, honestly, is one of the most important things to me because I think we find belonging in the sense that we're a very inclusive community. We want to do these things together. We're all figuring out our own healing journeys. But the wholeness piece, I feel like uh, some religious spaces and even just our American culture as a whole tells us constantly amongst many different inputs that like you are not whole mm. without buying something or being a part of something, you know, mm. um, that there's something either inherently wrong with you or missing um, in your experience. And something that I hope that we emulate 
through every aspect of Mission Hills is like when you're stepping through the door, you're already experiencing your sense of wholeness. I think there's something to be said about the process we get to do together that we're building towards something as well. Um, But that's something that I think is really important to hold kind of out in the front um, that we affirm your wholeness already. And also we want to just see where we go together. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I 100% um, feel like that is something that I would hope people um, have a sense of at mission Hills. Um, You know, whether you've only been to mission Hills one time or, you've been a part of the community for a long time. Um, and like this statement has ev- evolved over time too. Like I used to say belonging, healing and grace. Like that mm-hmm. was a, f- a phrase. And what I ran into with grace is, uh, a lot of questions and people sort of like, why, why use the term grace? And I think in, even in my mind thinking like, well, my, my sort of, uh, definition of grace is something along the lines of Paul Tillich's like acceptance, acceptance that you, you are accepted, which is wholeness. And so that's how, how I ended up sort of like even, you know, sort of evolving this phrase into wholeness, thinking like, like all of what you said, and also maybe wholeness is a more appropriate word for what we're trying to convey. And so to me, this is even kind of like how, how these kinds of things evolve in the experience and the life of Mission Hills community and how I hope for me personally to be adaptable in that kind of way and how I hope the community to be adaptable. It's like it is continually being shaped by the experience of the community in that sense because it's like, all right, here's how we have a sense of setting this table of uh, belonging and healing and wholeness. And so, okay, well, this word is not really there's more hangups on that. We talked about hangups in the last episode. Great episode, by the way. So good. Uh, but you know, it's like, okay, there's, there's more hurdles here to overcome than it is helpful. So mm-hmm. what, a, what, what idea, what word are we trying to get at? And what, like your, what you just beautifully said is like, okay, what are we trying to convey with that? And I think wholeness is, uh, is a great word, uh, to do that. And, like you said, uh, when most of our uh, lived experience is saying like you need to be like searching for something, something uh, you know, even in religious context is usually like you need you need you know to read more books, you need to pray more, you like any any sort of perceived distance from God is like needs to be overcome by your effort. Okay, well, mission. What we're trying to do at Mission Hills is state the opposite message that you don't really need to do anything and you don't really need to read your Bible. Uh, You don't really like all these things, all these like hurdles uh, that you need to overcome to, uh, to experience the depth of life, to experience transcendence, to experience who you are fully uh, made to be in the world. Actually uh, like none of that has to be, overcome with another external. And so wholeness, like you said, is a great word for that because it is already conveying like something that is deeply true about every individual. And then to me, even that kind of like brings it even back into healing. And like, that's part of the the healing is, is living in a, in a world that, uh, as we mentioned in the last episode has so many burdens, so many, 
just un- unbearable uh, things going on that make life really difficult for us, our loved ones, and uh, or even people that we are inundated on social media mm-hmm. uh, seeing. Like, uh, it's a lot to have to take in and to to say like there's real healing work that has to be done. Like, like people sometimes read healing and they think like. I'm going to lay hands on somebody at church. <laughs> not, like not that kind of healing church. Um, but what we're trying to say about healing is like that there is injustice in the world, that there are experiences in our lives that require, that require healing. And um, that goes back into the conversation element and the vulnerability in being able to process at your own pace and, uh, at your own, um, under your own sort of willingness to be able to do that, whatever, uh, individual like finds themselves at mission Hills, uh, whatever comfortability level, like we're not going to like force people to, um, to like heal on the church's terms or like, we don't have like a, a program for that or anything. Um, which is something you mentioned last time, like being kind of an anti-program church. Um, it's sort of recognizing that um, there is processing that we can all do together, and there is um, there spiritual work in that sense of um, healing. I'm not sure if I'm making any sense, but like that's kind of like the healing part is both sort of a recognition of um, of our personal experience and also um, the external work of healing that we hope to be as a community in our community, broader community. Yeah, no, I think that is well said. And language has such a power over people's perceptions and then also kind of their journey, right? We know having done this work for a little while and um, certain terms will keep coming up in conversations that hold a lot of baggage, right? From maybe other places that they've been in their life, whether that's religious or cultural, talking about um, terms like forgiveness. I think that's one or talking about, um, you know, what would we even talk about this concept of sin? You know, we talk about it in a collective sense, right? The injustices Mm -hmm. that you're mentioning. And we try to reframe some of these terms so that it does fit with a more open understanding of the world and how it's working that breaks i think some of the foundational bounds of christian spaces that have come before us yeah um and it is important like from the moment that someone steps in the welcome reading having something that sets the stage and we are going to talk about you know grace for ourselves and not taking ourselves too seriously while at the same time uh giving space for the tradition of liturgy, um, but we're still going to play with the language that's used in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like you mentioned the welcome reading, which also has the term grace in it. We started the welcome reading several years ago. I can't even remember. Uh, Cause that's, that's another great question. Like people ask like, why do we read this every week? Right. Oh, we have to read this stupid thing every week. And maybe that's, you know, I'm not too above, um, changing structures and changing certain things and swapping things out that um, are not useful anymore. So, you know, maybe there comes a time where we change certain things in the welcome reading. Um, but somebody had mentioned something uh, like, I, 
the idea for the, I should say, the idea for the welcome reading came several years ago because uh, I kind of got this sense that like everybody was kind of confused at the beginning of uh, Mission Hill's service in some respect. Um, or maybe, you know, not to like, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but it was like, it was confusing and it was trying to figure out like how can Mission Hill's overcome some of those things that like we talked about in the first episode of like people are expecting it to be a church and then other people are expecting it to not be a church. And some people are expecting it to be a different kind of church than like what it is. Some people are expecting Mission Hills to be a bigger church than what it is. And I kind of got this sense that we needed something kind of at the beginning to have everybody like set some ground rules and expectations about the space. Like I remember there were several times in the first couple of years where like in the same, after the same like liturgical service, after the same church service, um, people would both be like, that was like, that was like really amazing. Like I, that was really like, I just like was, it was like so peaceful. And then other people were like, that was so like ups infuriating to me that was so upsetting and it was the same service like two different people and say and that happened several times and so you know there's a part in the welcome reading that was like you know to be challenged to experience peace uh to not take yourselves too seriously the not taking yourselves too seriously as you know i think it's important in a variety of for a variety of reasons i think in so many respects, like we, we have to play, we have to have fun. Uh, it needed something that uh, said, Hey, at the beginning of a church service, like this is going to maybe be difficult for some of us. Others, like this might be just what we need. Um, either way, like, like we care deeply, but we're not going to take ourselves too seriously that. Uh, we can't make fun of ourselves. Like I just butchered Mary Oliver's lovely, like the most quoted poem in any progressive church. And I just butchered the entire thing. It's like to have some element of spirituality where you can say like, yes, like I'm profoundly moved by Mary Oliver's poem. And also like when I need to remember it, I can't re even remember the first line of it. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, that's real. That's human. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's like a spirituality that in a, in a church setting that like we've said, has different people from so many different backgrounds says like, we needed a welcome reading at the beginning that says like, this base is going to hold all of this. Like you're welcome to, to be honest, um, to be vulnerable. And hopefully in this, like, like you can have an encounter with grace, which is just a way of saying like, you can have an encounter with like being okay. Mm -hmm. Like that's all like, like that's all I think we're trying to say when we say that is like in all of that, whether it's through the music or meditation um, or a conversation or whatever, um, that you have an encounter with like, ah, yeah, like I, I'm okay. I have like a, like a sense of myself and my body and my community and uh, like it's tough and beautiful and uh, maybe I have some things to work on and maybe this reminded me of something I should get involved in in my community. Uh, maybe I should pay more attention to this. Maybe I should pay less attention to the news or maybe I should pay more attention to the news. Um, it's like 
creating a wide enough space for that is like kind of what I was hoping to do with a welcome reading. But it all came about because of several years of like, what is this? And I was like, huh, that's a good question because I need I need something to kind of for us to all sort of like remind ourselves. And I, I put that myself in there as well, like to open up and be like, yeah, this is what we're all here for. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's kind of like, yeah, yeah we're all here for a variety of reasons, but hopefully at the end of the day, it gives you a sense of like, yeah, like even though things are not okay, like we're, we're going to be okay. And we're going to go into our weeks and live the best we can. So we always end with like, so we can go into our weeks and live well, um, which is not like a, something you, you get graded on. Like, mm -hmm. it's just something that like to, to live well is to, to kind of go into your week with like a sense of, yeah, you know, all these demands like that are placed on us. Like, you know, despite all of that, like we're, we're okay. Yeah. Not to quote my own lyrics, but Please our do. best can look different in every season. Oh, that's oh, a beautiful, what, so a, good, so what good. a beautiful line. Um, but I think it's true. And it's a good reminder for me every week. I feel like the welcome reading has become a sort of compass um, that we can center and ground ourselves walking into service. And I have to remember to not take myself, myself, selves uh too seriously because there's always going to be an awkward moment when i'm transitioning from the piano to leading the conversation it's my favorite there's, time in the service <laughs> thanks uh there's always going to be you know something that happens out of the blue that we couldn't have predicted that you know we're running around trying to make sure things are are set and i think it's hopefully healing for people even who are like sitting in the pews and watching us maybe fumble through some things and see, oh, they don't, like, these people who have been leading us don't have it all together either. And I feel like that makes it so much more approachable to continue to have conversations or to feel safe with each other when we are going through hard stuff mm. because, oh, we're all, we're all in this boat. We're all just trying to figure out how to be human, hopefully good humans, yeah. you know, in our life. And that also takes a variety of forms, but yeah. there are certain guiding principles that we won't negotiate on. Sure. And yeah. I think that's been helpful, even as we're thinking about things like our pride service. Um, we were talking earlier about how um, we're not going to negotiate, you know, our, our belonging of LGBTQ folks in our community. We're not going right. to negotiate like our, our care for the environment. There are things that these pillars that are true for us um, yeah. in every season. And where do you think, where do you find the importance in those? How do you see that shaping our community? Um, do you ever see there being more things that become important or do you think those are like solid enough pillars? Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because I think, you know, the belonging language I think is something that, I learned from you. I, I think that was something that really came about the more time that we spent together and the more sort of, uh, of your imprint on mission Hills was really emphasizing the aspect of belonging. We kind of like worked backwards, which is kind of funny from the, like the, mm -hmm. the motto, but you know, something that I think you've expressed many times at mission Hills is something to the effect of like, you can't have these other things unless you first have, belonging. And so for us, 
emphasizing belonging first is at least to me, at least where I, in my mind at this point is like still going to be essential to what we hope to do and who we hope to be uh, as a community at Mission Hills. And at least, you know, when we say, when we say creating spaces uh, in that sense, like that, that is really intentional language. I know that people can like sort of make fun of the language of like spaces, but right now there's not really a better phrase for what we're trying to do, which is to create a space <laughs> to open up an area. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm off the rails. Uh, I can't really imagine. yeah, it's great. Um, but really to create a space where people can be fully themselves, holy as they are. And with that's with, with everything. And as you're mentioning, even like things that like values that we're, we're not going to compromise on. I think one of the most beautiful things about pride Sunday in our community, especially this particular pride service is just the variety of expression and how mission Hills uh, meets the community in different spaces. And like it is the voices of our community that then speak to each other. And that continues to like open up more space for one another. And so like that just like keeps happening. And that's a beautiful thing to witness and to be a part of because it's, it's, you know, Zach's voice uh, speaking to somebody else's maybe unvoiced uh, experience. And, you don't know what that's going to do in the life of somebody. And so to me, creating spaces of belonging is that it's somebody being able to be fully themselves and feel willing to express that, and then letting that experience transform the community. And so, uh, whenever we, th whenever we say creating spaces of belonging, it's that in, and then it ripples out from there in healing and wholeness and all of these kinds of ways that then feedback and filter into each other. And hopefully it's kind of a reciprocal thing where, um, all of the, like the healing comes because of the belonging and the, the wholeness creates the healing and the belonging creates the wholeness. So it's like, it's all of those things kind of together. And it's like, all we're trying to do is, um, to inform an environment where it says like, here's maybe how that can happen in this context. And so to me, that's just like a beautiful thing to, to be a part of. And I've, I don't know, I'm grateful for you for even just like emphasizing the language of belonging because then that leads to other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's been an, an important step seeing folks move from just being accepted, right. To then entering into a space where, no, we need you. Like you are part of the fabric right. of our community. Uh, we're not like quote unquote whole without you. Right. Um, which I know uses the word wholeness in a couple different ways. Right. But the way that I think about it, because images honestly are very helpful. Something that I struggled with a lot in my coming out journey personally was feeling like there was enough like metaphorical and physical space to be fully myself out there. And I remember coming across someone who uh, kind of shared like, so you like everyone else has already, you know, taken up the space in the room per se. And now 
if you don't allow yourself to step into that wholeness and that sense of belonging, you're just having to contort yourself into whatever space is left over. But the work of justice, right, is to get rid of those walls so that there's enough space for everyone to take up as much that physical or metaphorical yeah. space that they need um, because we shouldn't have to minimize ourselves or put ourselves into boxes. We're multifaceted humans. You know, we're constantly in a process of discovering new things about ourselves, whether that's beliefs, questions, identity, etc. Um, and something that I, I like about the work of Mission Hills is it really tries to tie these intersections together and we see you know the work of lgbtq inclusion um as taking in the same breath um, as eco justice as our work towards right. anti-racism like one is not done without the other hand in hand um why why allow these things to like guide our our conversations and our events and and all of that versus you know just trying to break down hmm. the wall itself um to say like oh it's you can just you know just be yourself and just come and we're gonna just do a service and you know then you go back out and do your life like why why do we still see the church as a center for um justice work i guess is a better way to frame that question um I think that my answer is probably it's like I've had sort of a heart and impulse for for all of those aspects. And I think, um, you know, even tracing it back, like it it starts with um, the people of Mission Hills and like the issues that matter to the live reality of our community. Um, it has roots in what's going on in our world today. So when we think about issues that affect real people and real people in our community, uh, those intersect with race and racism. Mm -hmm. They intersect with uh, the climate and uh, the environment, and they intersect with uh, queer liberation. So to me, it's it's all of these kinds of things that that weave together, but it's it has to do with the the community and the people that tend to find themselves on the margins of the dominant form of Christianity in the U S. So there's a Christian and a church aspect to it. It's like, okay, well, many of us who are at mission Hills were on the margins or would be on the margins of the dominant perspective in Christianity. So, uh, based on a certain uh, belief system or gender sexual identity uh, or um, a sort of passion and emphasis for uh, a certain um, justice work in the world that most of American Christianity feels like is antithetical mm -hmm. to their religion is core to ours. And that's not a new that's not a new thing, but it is a minority. Voice. And so part of that is, I think, my passion and your passion and the passion of like, honestly, thousands of other uh, progressive Christians throughout our country who just don't have much of a, a voice when it comes to kind of the loud, <laughs> the loud voices in a lot of American Christianity. So to me, uh, 
it goes back to like what we were saying earlier, where it's like, let's just talk about real issues that uh, affect us and our community and recognize that uh, they, they do intersect. And um, we don't necessarily have to have all of the, the answers, but we sort of recognize that they, they intersect and they're part of what you were talking about earlier. Things that we think are core to uh, a life that reflects the heart and ministry and the life of Jesus, uh, which is which who you know who challenged the cultural and religious and economic uh, powers of his time, mm -hmm. uh, who challenged empire. I mean, we say so. We were talking about language, and maybe we should say like empire because that's been a question that uh, Amelda brought up recently, and other people. It's like you might hear us say. Jesus challenges empire and we will say empire. And what I typically mean when I say empire is usually uh, the dominant forces and powers in a given uh, setting. So in, uh, in our case, we'll talk a lot about empire as sort of like the U S military industrial complex, which involves uh, defense uh, spending uh, all the kinds of ways that uh, the prison industrial complex uh, impacts uh, American lives. And that is a form of empire, not the only empire, but a form of empire. You can talk about broadly like global uh, consumer capitalism is a kind of like em empire in force on people's lives. And so whenever we talk about like what we would hope Mission Hills could talk about in respect to to the Jesus that we see uh, in the gospels is one who liberates people from these kinds of empires. And so that is just kind of a part of the language that we use. And so all of these um, are contextual, but they all intersect. And we, we only have our own lived experience and the sort of our ability to listen to the people that we've uh, come in contact with. And so I think listening with a sort of compassion to say how have people been negatively impacted by um, by these systems and structures that we know uh, harm so many different kinds of people that we know sort of like, okay, the life of our community is going to be rooted in uh, the harm done by um, so many different systems on our climate, which is um, sort of, uh, obviously it's a global problem, but there are always various systems and structures that lead to that. But that is to say, um, you know, our faith is intimately re related on a environmental level and then also on the like sort of justice work um, aspect of it. So to me, it, there's no, I don't see how you can like separate all of, all of these issues. And so um, I don't know if that was like getting at what you're asking, but uh, to me, it's just hard to, it's hard to not talk about the core issues of our time. And people will tend to say like, well, they weren't talking like, you know, Christians weren't talking about this like 70 years ago. I'm like, yeah, cause these issues didn't exist 200 years ago or 300 years ago. So um, the gospel of liberation liberates from like the contextual things that need to be that people need to be liberated from. And you can throw the planet and all creation into that because, you know, liberation is maybe another buzzword or term that's thrown around a lot at Mission Hills. 
which is which is simply uh, the f- the freedom to for things to be in their wholeness and fullness as well. So when we think about um, the sort of like extraction of natural resources for profit, okay, well, okay, I think we would agree that that's not the expression of mm-hmm. wholeness and fullness and the way to uh, approach the natural environment that benefits everyone and benefits the planet and the longevity of, you know, we, th- we throw around sustainability a lot, the sustainability of everything. Um, and so that's kind of like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's kind of like where my mind's at when thinking about um, liberation and uh, these kinds of aspects of justice work that I see being a part of the, the whole of how Mission Hills sort of sees these things. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree in a lot of sense of, I want my spirituality to inform the justice work I do. I want the justice work I do to inform my spirituality and that there's an openness with both sides of it that, you know, I, I am still constantly asking questions about, you know, what is still working for me or for my community? Um, where am I holding on to things that, might serve me, but don't serve others in my community? Where am I um, still needing to uh, deal with the privileges that I hold? Mm-hmm. Where where do we understand the role of power even in a setting where we're trying to break away from like the hierarchical structures, but then there's still always a dynamic when you're working in any space with some sort of leadership that's guiding the conversation. How do you facilitate well right how do you teach well um and i've said it a bunch and if you've been around me for more than a day you'll know that i have a few phrases that i say all of the time especially in mission hills but one of them is not a quote of my own and i will try and track down um this woman's name but she said something along the lines of you know all of all of injustice is interconnected and so whatever corner of work you're doing um, you're, is an unraveling that thread. You're helping to unravel the entire thing. And so I think sometimes we can get really, um, really down uh, with how overwhelming it might feel with all the injustice that is out in the world. Um, feeling like, you know, descending into nihilism, what even matters anymore if this is constantly going to be what we're up against. And Mm. I think there's some sense of hope in knowing that one, we're not responsible for everything and two, you know, any, any effort that we're doing, which can look like, um, the conversations that we're having on Sundays, which can also look like rest, right? We talk about how rest is still an act of justice and resistance. Um, it doesn't have to look any one particular way, but, it's all moving towards some sense of hope, um, which I think we have to hold on to any way that we can with everything yeah. that's going on. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think that that is somewhat like part of the community piece as well is that that resilience mm-hmm. aspect that, uh, I mean, it's easy for me to kind of like naturally dip into a sort of like nihilistic perspective, you know, particularly in thinking about uh climate change and the limited time frame and all that kind of stuff on it but it's like what uh i think what i hope that uh, church and community can do is 
um, create that resilience uh, in a variety of different ways. And um, yeah, I've, I've like seen, seen that happen in so many different respects. So um, I think that's core to what I hope continues at Mission Hills. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing a special kind of service in July. Pretty sure this will be released before July. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a, a contemplative, you know, uh, Sunday retreat. We really value the space of meditation and contemplation. You talked earlier about why it's important um, that we build that in service. General thoughts, things that are important to you. Our, our good friend uh, and patron saint, Richard Rohr. Mm. What does Richard Rohr have to say about it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Richard Rohr, I think he famously doesn't like contemplation, which is kind of interesting since he literally has the Center for Contemplation and Action. But if I remember right, uh, I think contemplation is really difficult for Richard Rohr. Or, you know, he really emphasizes uh, not feeling God in times of contemplation. And it's interesting because I didn't grow up in a tradition that emphasized silence or contemplation or meditation or anything like that. Um, in some weird way, and like how Christianity has sort of made this like, you know, like go and like be very holy and pious. But I think the, the wisdom tradition and contemplative Christianity, um, you know, says something about that to the effect of, well, what this is getting at is like actually, um, connecting with the divine, uh, meeting God in stillness is, is meeting, uh, your truest self and those going, uh, side by side that being who you are in your fullness, um, requires some measure of stillness, requires some measure of embodiment, and so the contemplative tradition is meaningful to us because it's doing like what we were saying earlier, it's connecting to connecting to the ground, connecting to um, to the earth, connecting to other people in a way that is more truly who you are. And so meditation is uh, there are a variety of practices and forms of that to discover that and to bring that out. And so we'll use prayer and meditation. Uh, I use those words pretty interchangeably now. Um, I think prayer is another one of those words that has certain kind of associations with it that aren't helpful. So sometimes, sometimes meditation is a more helpful phrase. And we're here in hippie California, so meditation is you know it's done on every street corner. So it's like it's fine out here. So if you were to go back home to Texas and be like, "Guys, yeah, we're going to meditate at the church," people would be like, "Hell no, I'm meditating." Oh, come miss, on now. I missed the accents. Thank uh, you you're welcome. That. Yeah, that was kind of a weird Texas accent. It's like a, it's like a weird West Texan guy. Um, so for me, it is uh, something we incorporate into uh, to the life of the community as uh, part of that grounding to ourselves, getting back to uh the sort of concept that we were talking about at the beginning, like belonging, healing, and wholeness. It's like, it is a way uh, in a world full of demands and all the things that you were saying earlier, 
it is a way of reminding ourselves that, all right, yeah, I'm okay. I, I really don't need anything. I don't need to uh, compulsively scroll TikTok looking at you. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to, you know, all the, all these kinds of things that uh, are sort of habituated in our, in our life that is, um, not necessarily even by our own making, very stressful. Uh, it is a way of connecting to um, to the groundless ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Thomas Merton says the incomprehensible uh, loving mystery. Uh, I mean, there's the I mentioned the more earlier. It's like it is a way of connecting to uh, to the transcendent that is always right here. That goes unnoticed, the sacred and the ordinary, the the feeling of your feet on the ground, um, the sounds of birds outside. It's like become just becoming more aware of your lived experience is uh is liberating. And as you always point out, Kelly, is like an act of resistance, which again, I think we I speak for both of us, like we see at Mission Hills is like part of what we do is these little moments of resistance, which is uh you know, you talk all the time about like rest being resistance and to carve out a time every week where we rest together is just, it might seem silly, but it's like, it's a little moment of resistance. It's a little moment of reclaiming our, uh, the divine within each of us, the sort of sacredness of our own lives. And, uh, to us, that is important. That's not nothing to say, uh, you know, I'm going to reclaim my time here. And I am sacred without having to do anything. So you're looking at me like, <laughs> no, I'm Kel- Kelly's myself. looking at me like, uh, I'm laughing to myself because I'm having memories of the first couple times that I attended mission Hills and I'm an Enneagram seven stillness is not my game. I have, I had, I, I think I've made a lot of progress, but I've had a lot of difficulty in the past with, being okay with slowing down enough that you do feel all of the things um, that maybe I use busyness to distract mm. from. Uh, and it became, I think, a turning point for myself, feeling comfortable in myself. Um, I think the pandemic forced a lot of changes in my own personal life. And then we also saw a lot of shifts in our community's life towards really seeing the importance of slowing down, taking moments where we honor what's going on in our lives, not running from uncomfortable emotions. Um, And it's been just really interesting reflecting now as you're talking about how I feel like I've changed personally, Mm. you know, ever since starting Mission Hills to now with that comfortableness of sitting in the silence. And now that's something I value and it feels strange to go without um, and I think that's like the power of transformation, right? Is it can be an individual thing, but I think it also affects the communal essence of like what we're trying to do right. and what mindset we're going into, um, events with or services yeah. with. Yeah. And I think part of that is, um, there, there are two aspects of like what, what you're saying that I think are important is like, th- we recognize that. Uh, meditation can be different and and kind of off-putting for for people that aren't expecting that in a church context. I think the Yelp reviews will reflect that. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh my gosh! Yeah, uh, 
I mean, there have been people that, um, yeah, have come in and been like very much turned off by, uh, meditation or silence and service. And I think that's part of what you and I both recognize about mission Hills is that, um, it's okay. It's okay. If that is, is off putting sort of like recognize that that's not going to be, uh, for everyone. And you'd mentioned earlier about things that, um, we found valuable in the life of the community. And I think, uh, contemplation and meditation, not only in its, uh, not only in its practice and sort of the rhythm of that, but just in the contemplative way, contemplative lifestyle, uh, is something that is really important to me that I, I recognize might not be, uh, incredibly important to everyone. Um, but what I hope that that brings into mission Hills is a, a bit of a slower rhythm, a bit of a, um, uh, a bit of a space where people can, can find, uh, something that feels and sounds, um, maybe a little bit slower than, uh, the rest of their, their sort of demands on their week. And I think as far as like the aesthetics of that and, uh, the sort of tonality of that and even the music that you bring to that is contemplative in some respects. And you talked about music before, uh, that there is a contemplative aspect to, to the music that is played at mission Hills. And that is the sort of just being, uh, allowed to just be with music as opposed to, uh, a certain kind of expectation. And so I think, uh, you know, as someone who's by no means an expert on the contemplative life, but as somebody who's, you know, I think drawn to that or, um, is more sort of like my personality is more predisposed to to be okay with sort of a contemplative way of thinking about things is, um, is that I would hope that people, um, sort of find themselves at least in the space of contemplation, even if they don't like you were saying with like, um, certain personality types, like maybe it sort of like rubs you the wrong way and you're like, oh, this is not really my thing. Like, hopefully you find yourself in your passion being a little bit more present because that's all that contemplation is like trying to do is saying like, wake up, be, be more present, be more aware. So if you're out there like as, uh, an accountant or an activist or whatever, uh, it's like, yeah, I I'm bringing my full self into whatever it is that I'm doing maybe just a little bit more here. And, uh, like I say that with a smile in the sense that it's like, I, I'm an appreciative of what is like going on, on around me, uh, in the sort of problems that I'm like tasked to solve. It's just like, all it is, is presence and awareness. So, uh, to me, like contemplation is in silence is the connection piece to say, ah, oh, like, like if I am a little bit more aware here, then I can be a little bit more present somewhere else. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's just practice and it's not, it's not anything 
like incredibly uh, like you don't have to be super mystical about it. Uh, Cause I think sometimes like the, those are the associations that go along with it is like, you have to feel something. I mean, you, you'd mentioned Richard Rohr um, and he always kind of famously says like, I don't like feel anything, but he finds the experience of contemplation valuable in lived life. And so I think that's one of the, the sort of, um, maybe misconceptions about meditation contemplation is that you're supposed to feel something in the moments like, yeah, uh, I'm silent. I'm silent. Uh, like I'm not feeling anything. Is anybody else feeling anything? Like, am I doing this wrong? I'm you start questioning, like, why are we all sitting here in silence? Like, I'm not feeling, I'm still not feeling anything. I'm just like thinking about like, uh, what I had to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, but it's like the practice, um, the like results of it are just like more presence in, in your life, more compassion, kindness, those kinds of things in your life. And so, um, and even those are, um, those are all, you know, different for, for each one of us. Like we're, you know, back to what we were saying earlier, we're all trying just to bring our full selves into every experience. So, but funny enough, I have kind of a mystical next. Please interrupt me. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, not every moment of meditation or contemplation is going to be like a Yosemite moment, right? Where you like look out and it's awe-inspiring and you feel overwhelmed by, wow, I really, like, I feel like I see the world in a different way now that I've experienced this moment. Some of them are going to be like seeing seeing the grass for, in a new way for the first time or just watching a cute little bumblebee doing its thing and you're able to slow down to that pace where mm-hmm. you're noticing and you're more present in certain ways and in that like those analogies are super helpful i've always been a, a visual learner visual person and that's why i think it's important for us to also still find our grounding in um, how we connect with nature and allowing nature to mm-hmm. be our teacher and see there's there's your mystical Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me more. Um, Preach. And uh, that's why we do so many um, events or services trying to incorporate the environment into our liturgy, right? And not lose that grounding. Because we're also, we're in LA, we're surrounded by concrete and a certain pace of life and expectation. And I think it's a beautiful switch to find a space where it's okay to to slow down. It's okay to not feel like you have to achieve something on, on the same timeline as another person. Yeah. Um, everyone has their own season. Not everyone can bloom in the same soil. <laughs> oh my God. What else can I throw in? Yeah. There? Come on. It's all true, but like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to break us out of your cliche <laughs> situation, uh, it is interesting. I'm thinking about like, look at what you just said is like, kind of reminds me of like what, um, I've learned like how I've changed at mission Hills and I've changed a ton. Like I was talking to somebody recently in the, in the community garden and they were asking me like what this was and what this was and what this was. And I'm like finding myself like amazed at how much I know mm-hmm. about plants. Yeah, And I'm just like, I'm somebody who cared about the environment, who had a, 
sort of a passion, you know, w- well over 10 years ago for the sort of systemic issues surrounding climate change, but I could not name any tree mm-hmm. plant. Like, <laughs> like I would be able to like look at any leaf shape and be able to tell you what, and now it's, it's wild, like without setting out to, you know, learn like, you know, to take a class or anything, uh, but to be a part of the start of the community garden and then sort of the ongoing reclamation project that is Mission Hills. And uh, that is just a great gift of being in a space that values the things that this community values and that is an intersection, like you're saying, between uh, nature and contemplation to be able to create spaces where people can slow down enough or um, even we can intersect with so many different members in the community where we can talk about plants and nature and, uh, you know, native flowers that we have growing outside. Uh, You know, we had a whole like street row of poppies this year that looked amazing. Those are the kinds of moments where I can see personal and spiritual growth in, in ways that were completely unexpected to me. It's not like I set out with the intention to do this or learn this or grow in this particular way. But then I just sort of like find myself in conversation years later. And it's like, okay, well, I know what I know from many hours just being out here. And like you said, knowing, um, you know, knowing the different kinds of bees that'll land on the sage that we have growing outside. Uh, and to be able to have a space like that is, uh, something that I think we're all really grateful to, uh, be able to experience. And that's something that, uh, I think to create those physical spaces are important to us that, you know, we're not just, um, you know, we use and leverage technology to connect. We recognize the broader um, community. Mission Hills is uh, online and digital, but it's also really important to us to create beautiful physical spaces where people can connect with themselves and can connect with nature in a physical location that they couldn't otherwise do. And that was just, that always seemed right to do, to take a space that was not used uh, and to, try as best as you can to restore it and to learn something from it and maybe meet people through it, uh, and have those connections. So to me, that was just kind of the right thing to do. And then I was noticing, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it's like, Oh wow, I've really changed a lot, but that, that growth happens so slowly, um, that you don't really notice it. I don't know if you have any similar experiences or things that you, as we kind of like wrap up this. Yeah, no, I mean, shameless plug for the labyrinth space, you know, that we have on the property too. I I think some, maybe some of our newer folks don't know that we have that, um, out back by the parsonage, um, that we are, we're trying to do a constant blending. I think, of you know, that's the, the eco and the contemplative spaces overlapping and, the work of, you know, rainbow succulents at Pride Sunday, showing our valuing of the earth and uh, queer justice. Um, I think it's, it's just, it is a lot of blending. It's a lot of recognizing that the spectrum of all of our experiences means something in the space, in our conversations. Um, 
we are trying to, again, do our best to figure mm-hmm. out how to be good humans. And um, I think we all have some sort of unifying uh, belief or thought that you're either willing to be in a Christian space or you still find value in a Christian space uh, or Christian adjacent, um, the person of Jesus, uh, mystics that we reference often. Um, all of these are sources of wisdom for us, as is right that collective wisdom through our discussions. Um, and I think just extending a lot of gratitude because you know, it doesn't work if it's just you and I that are showing up on a Sunday. Like, <laughs> while that would be really fun and I would greatly enjoy yeah. it, it doesn't work in the same sense of it takes the people who are willing to engage in a mutual um, dialogue and worship or music, um, you know, breaking bread together, all of these things that are kind of mm-hmm. central to our community. Um, it takes them showing up too. And that's no small feat with everything that's competing for our attention, um, the possible like trauma or abuse that people have withstood to mm. get to this point in their lives. Like we don't take uh, people's presence for granted um, and know that we also don't right. have any expectation, you know, around you just being and uh, being part of your, the community, whether that's, you know, our distance folks who are, the, either graduated from Mission Hills or are still connected, but from afar, or people who are, you know, close by and are able to physically come in on a Sunday or Wednesday. All of it is is valuable to us. So that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to kind of like wrap up this conversation and uh, express our gratitude because it really comes down to. Um, the community that has formed around these wild, not so wild, new, not so new ideas. And that's kind of all the, I guess these two podcasts are really talking about is what language is helpful to us? What uh, ideas have shaped our community? How have we evolved and been transformed by these ideas and things that uh, it's weird to see even, um, you know, these kinds of rituals and language shape the community and then have the community then shape uh, the language. And so uh, that's really like what we're talking through. And we know that Mission Hills has, as a community and group of people, evolved and changed through the years. And I think both of us are really grateful for all of those iterations because it's all part of who we are in the process. And how we've grown. And so every person that's been a part of Mission Hills along the way has shaped me. And uh, that that is something that I, I value and I'm in- incredibly grateful for. So um, if, if this podcast like f- finds you, if you're a part of, uh, you know, the sort of like collective Mission Hills community like now, or uh, you listen to this podcast uh, later if you're a part of Mission Hills, uh, you know, years ago, um, thank you, because um, you have had a profound and will have a profound impact on me and anybody that walks through Mission Hills uh, just by being fully who you are. And so, um, yeah, I hope the, these two podcasts were helpful in some respect, uh, offering clarity around, uh, you know, why we talk about Richard Rohr so much and why we, um, you know, say, 
uh, yes, she is, uh, at the end of every communion meditation. It was really beautiful. Like last thought, like really beautiful to see, um, you know, week after week, everybody reflect on this communion meditation that, uh, is a blend of, uh, a communion meditation that Sochi wrote years ago and things that people have wrote, uh, that wrote through communion meditations for years, uh, at Mission Hills. And it's just this like hybrid and we read it every week and, uh, it's beautiful and it ends, uh, yes, she is. So, uh, with that, uh, I will, I'll throw it over to you, Kelly, and I'll throw it back over to you. And uh, we'll say, uh, as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.